Welcome to the Pokes Podcast. I'm Jacob Longin, CAST's Coordinator of Communications and Marketing. If you're like me, you always wish you had more time to get things done. Some people are more like today's guest, whose astonishing productivity has been compared to Hermione Granger and her time turner. Samantha Homan is our new marketing assistant, focused mainly on social media, after spending the last year and a half as a CAS marketing intern. She graduated in three and a half years, double majoring in English and German, and filling her resume with participation and leadership in various organizations. She joined me to talk about how she's able to accomplish so much, including valuable lessons she learned from mistakes during her college experience. She also explained why she fell in love with the OSU family so quickly, why it's important to introduce yourself to your professors, and why she doesn't say the word bag. So how are you enjoying your new role? I'm really loving it. It was a very easy transition from an internship to a full-time position. I had already started taking on some of the responsibilities that came with the full-time position. So there was really no awkwardness of here's a new job, meet a new team, learn a new system, which was really nice. So you mentioned the internship. I know we like to uh, tell students they should pursue internships for several reasons. One, maybe you have a position like you do where it leads directly into a job. But even if not, there are things you learn in an internship. What did you learn being an intern here? I learned so much being an intern. I was exposed to things that I never thought I'd ever do, like designing web pages or coding parts of a website. I have absolutely no background in that, and that was a huge part of my job, writing spotlight stories, interacting with students through social media. None of that was originally in the internship job description, but it evolved over time into something that was constantly exposing me to new programs, whether it be creating videos for social media or full-on web pages. So it just exposed me to a part of myself that I didn't know I would enjoy. And how long were you an intern here? I was an in intern about a year and a half. And did you have any internship experience before that? No, I did not. So you were managing our social media, and I, I know because I'm on the group, there's several of us involved, but really you're kind of leading that. What is that like? Because I, I know from my own experience, I'm uh, older than you are, I have less in common with current students, but it's hard to reach the students. It is really difficult. I'm not somebody who spends a lot of time on social media, on my like personal social media. So that has been the hardest part of the job is really learning what works well on social media, especially Twitter is something I had very little experience with. Twitter is actually a really funny social media platform and I really like it, which is much to the chagrin of my brother. He's been trying to get me to get on Twitter for about four years and I have fought him tooth and nail for four years and now I'm addicted to it. So he won that argument. <laughs> but it's all about just following the students, seeing what they're posting, seeing what they're commenting on each other's posts, what is important in their lives and trying to make our content applicable and fit into their lifestyles, which is difficult because every student needs something different. Every student has different wants and needs for their social media. Some people hate social media, other people thrive in it. And so finding a balance is difficult, but it's something I'm enjoying trying to find. For somebody listening to this, if they're a current student, they're probably pretty plugged into CAS, so they wouldn't be listening to our podcast, and we appreciate that they're listening. But if there is anyone who's listening and they're not following us on social media, 
What accounts do we have? We have a Snapchat, we have a Twitter, a Facebook, and an Instagram. And you can follow us at OKStateCast for all of them. And uh, if you go to our website at cast.okstate.edu, it's at the bottom, I believe. Correct. There's links to all of them as well. So uh, we try to make it easy, and we try to do the best job we can of communicating with the students there uh, in ways and with things that we think they will appreciate. Definitely. It's not just uh, we're going to throw everything at you and you won't care. Hopefully, we're telling you things that are helpful. No, and we're trying this semester to also have days that are focused on fun content. And so on Wednesdays, we do Walk to Class with Cass, where we follow um, current students and faculty members and just ask them questions about their life, where it's not focused on, okay, here are resources, here are events that we're running, but let's just get to know the people in our college. And on Fridays, we're featuring all the dogs within the College of Arts and Sciences. and all of these amazing resources that we have through Pete's Pet Posse and other programs like it. Yeah, we like to do the tongue twisters here, walk to class with Cass and Pete's Pet Posse. We're not responsible for naming that, but still, we call it Cass Canines. Yeah. We, we just can't have anything uh, too easy to say, including the Pokes podcast. <laughs> I've messed it up a few times. Yeah, we like to remind people there's no T in podcasts. But you were a double major. Correct. I know it was English and German. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, if you don't know, you will think, oh, well, she studied two languages, that's it. But studying German and studying English are two very different things. Correct. So I fell into English and German for different reasons. English was just because I love literature. I've always loved telling stories, reading stories. And so English was just a very natural pairing and passion of mine. For most of my life, though, I didn't think I'd go into English. I thought I'd go and do pre-med stuff because I'm also fascinated by the sciences. Yet, in high school, I really discovered that English is my true passion and I'm going to find a way to make a career out of it somehow. I'm not sure how that'll work, but it's happening. So, obviously, I'm doing something right. And in terms of German, my dad is a first-generation American, and so... His first language is German. All of his family, excluding his parents and older brother, are still over there. So we try to go back as a family every three to four years to learn about the culture, to see our family, because learning about um, a foreign culture and being able to go to that country itself and experience it firsthand is something that is really important to my family. So pursuing a major in German was just a very natural thing to me. Not that I necessarily want a career where I speak German every day, It was more just that this is important to me, so I'm going to find a way to learn about it. So your degree, it's English, but really it's English literature. Correct. I started off as a creative writing major, and when I was looking at colleges, I was specifically looking for creative writing programs because my dream job is to be a novelist. And so... Me too. I would love it. (laughs) That's what actually made my decision in high school to be an English major is I wrote my first novel and I'm like... I'm addicted to this. I can't see myself going into medicine and being fulfilled doing this. So I have to do something with writing because I love it. I'm going to interrupt real fast. You wrote a novel in high school? I wrote three novels in high school because I'm crazy. I've been a professional writer for 20 years now, and I have not finished a novel yet. So I'm impressed. I make some interesting choices. (laughs) So originally, that drive to do creative writing was really strong. Um, And OSU does have a phenomenal creative writing program. And so that's what drew me in originally. And when I started, I was 
I took intro to creative writing, took some of those intro to lit classes because as a creative writing major, you're also taking a lot of literature courses and still getting that general English education. And after talking with my advisor and talking about my goals and what I was really interested in, she recommended that I switch to just the general English because it's a little bit broader, um, it's a little more applicable to a wider range of positions. And because I wasn't sure what I wanted to do as a real job, because I know that I can't just graduate from college and say, oh, I'm going to be an author. That's going to work. Not how it works. Need something to actually make money and a skill set that I can support myself. So the general English degree provided that for me. You don't have to give away your secrets here, but you would still like to be an author. Correct. Are you still writing in your spare time? I am. Okay. Can you talk about genre or genres that you like to do? So I prefer to do fantasy, kind of dystopian. I leaned more towards fantasy. High school me was really into dystopian, but I quickly discovered that's a lot more of a trend and not as much fun to write and Mm. create. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Depressing. Yes. (laughs) I love creating worlds and really diving into full-on planning. Um, So how I wrote my first novel was actually through a competition called National Novel Writing Month, or NaNoWriMo for Mm -hmm. short, where you write 50,000 words in 30 days, which is completely insane. But sophomore me thought, oh, this is interesting. Let's do this. I've never written more than like a thousand words, but I can do this. Somehow I managed to hit the 50,000, and I realized my novel was nowhere near done. And what I had planned to do was more than just one novel, it was actually three novels because I'm crazy and I spent three months planning for it and filled multiple notebooks with characters and um, world building, chapter outlines. And so that's really, I'm a planner to the core. And so with all of my novels, I fill an entire notebook beforehand with as much information as I can. While I might not stick to like my chapter outlines as religiously as I did the first couple times I wrote, it gives me a starting place. And that way I can develop characters better, I can foreshadow better, and it just gives me a plan. I like screwing with my characters a little too much. I'm really good at the tragedy. If I can't make you cry, I haven't done my job right. <laughs> so I'm a little cruel in that regard. Interesting. Uh, and I will say, as a, as a writer, but somebody who hasn't done much fiction, um, of course I love uh, books and movies and all kinds of things. And it's amazing how often you can tell when the creator has sat down and planned it out and when they're just kind of flying by the seat of their pants and you end up with plot holes or things that are contradictory versus, wow, this is so well-crafted. It makes a huge difference. It does. And there's one novel that I haven't finished yet that I didn't have time to plan. So I plan the first couple chapters. I'm like, I'll plan as I go. And it's amazing going back and reading what I wrote, the difference in A, quality of writing, because I'm just rambling, because I have no clue what I'm working towards. Um, And even the characters aren't as well fleshed out. They're not as realistic. It's much easier to plan a character when you know their flaws you have to write a character with flaws. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really hard to do when you're just writing for fun and you're just writing by the seat of your pants. Mm. I will say when I've written some fiction, um, there are times that I will have uh, a pretty good idea hit me as I'm writing it. 
just in the moment and I'm like, oh, this is great. Sometimes you can make it work, sometimes you can't. Are you still able to do that if you've plotted it out? Generally, yes. If my inspiration changes or if I'm like, oh, this will work better, I tend to go where inspiration pushes me. So even if that's going against what I've already planned out, I'll write it. If it doesn't work, I still have a plan to fall back on, mm. which is always how I've approached writing. Like, try it. If it works, great. If it doesn't, try again. That's the great thing is it doesn't have to be perfect the first time. It doesn't have to be perfect the hundredth time mm-hmm. you've done it. And there are certain scenes where I've gone back and I've rewritten five, six times, and you never delete what you've written. So I just always put it on another document. So it's there if I ever need it again. It's okay to change your mind a million times when it comes to writing, and you will never be satisfied completely with it. Mm. It doesn't matter how many times you've edited a full copy, you will always find more mistakes. Mm. So it was clear to us that you wanted to work here. We had a position, we were able to hire you for it, and I think we're all glad that we were able to hire you. Uh, But why did you want to be here so much? Why did you want to work for Cass? So I got addicted to the environment. I love OSU and the environment that it offers, the focus on continued learning, on growing, on professional development. It's not a job where you're going to come in every day and do the same thing day in and day out. I could never have a job like that. It would be so constricting to me. And also the people. I love the people that I get to work with every day and the creativity that I can do fun projects. I don't just sit at a desk and watch social media. I get to create the posts and play on that more creative side of me. Whereas with some of the other positions I was looking at, it really was more of a desk job where, yes, there were aspects of creativity, but not to the extent that I think would be satisfying. And I also didn't love the environments of some of the other places that I interviewed in. It wasn't as much of a team environment. I think that's a huge thing that I love is being able to go to people and problem solve, work through different issues. It's not just on you as an individual. There's other people around you supporting you, helping you. If you do run into issues, you can talk to a million other people. There's so many experts on this campus in every field imaginable. So you know that you're always going to be able to find someone who will help you out. So for most of our listeners, our students, are um, they might have an internship or something like that, but they haven't gotten their first sort of professional job. You just went through that experience. You had the advantage of being here. We knew you. But I'm sure that it was still interesting for you to go through that. Would you talk about what that was like? Um, Because um, most of our students haven't been through that. And I'm sure that for you it was nerve-wracking, even knowing us, right? Definitely. So there's kind of two sides of that story. There's what it looked like applying to the job here at CAS and what it looked like applying for jobs outside of the university. And so applying internally, A, it was great because I was told immediately when the job position opened up officially and so I could apply and get all my materials in right away because it was a position I was really interested in from the beginning. And I had the benefit of knowing what the job looked like and kind of testing out, is this something I'm interested in? Um, Like I said earlier, I was able to take on some of the responsibilities still as an intern of what this position would entail and see if it truly was a great fit, which is something not many people get to do. Um, So I'm very grateful for that opportunity. I also wasn't as nervous going into the interview as with some other interviews. I knew the people interviewing me 
Was it still nerve-wracking? Yes, because it's still an important position. You still want to look put together and like you know what you're talking about. But interviewing is something that doesn't scare me. I like talking to people. It shouldn't be this end-all, be-all thing. Some people get so worked up over an interview and it really isn't. You just need to be yourself. There are no perfect answers. It's okay to say, um, it's okay to ask somebody to ask a question again or say that you're not sure. You don't need to know every answer. And sometimes people respect you more when you admit that you don't have yes, the answer. Yes, absolutely. And I think that's something that college students don't realize. You don't have to be the expert. You're most likely applying for an entry-level position. They don't expect you to be this perfect candidate. There's never going to be a perfect candidate for any position. And even looking at jobs, there's never going to be a perfect job. There mm -hmm. are going to be things that you love about it and things that kind of bum you out about it. And that's okay. You need to find a job that the pros outweigh the cons. Mm -hmm. And for me, that job was obviously the cast position. So applying internally was easier. There were some delays, but that's just academia takes forever. Um, I think anybody working in academia can agree with that. It just moves a little slowly. Um, whereas working and applying in like for business positions, those moved much faster, at least in the positions I was interested in. So I interviewed with three or four other companies, and most of them were similar, like marketing or recruitment type positions. I had other offers on the table, but when I got the CAS offer, I called my parents immediately. Mm -hmm. I was so excited I was on the top of the world because this was the position I wanted. When I got the other offers, I didn't tell anyone for like multiple days, like not <laughs> even my parents, because I was just like thinking them through and I'm like, this, it wasn't as exciting. It wasn't like, oh my gosh, I did it. So to me, that was the moment that fully decided like, yes, that I'm going to be at CAS because that's the position that excited me. Mm. Yes, I might make more in a business setting, but at the end of the day, that's not what's most important to me. Couple things I want to add in here. Uh, one, I have been uh, on both sides of interviewing. Well, obviously, with my job, I've interviewed people a million times, but I've also been part of interviewing for hiring, and I've been the person being interviewed for jobs. And I am a firm believer that the more you interview, the better you get at it. I agree. So I like to remind um, current students and people earlier in their career. You know, why not give it a shot? Maybe it's a position that you feel like you're not going to get. You might get lucky if it's something you want anyway. And if nothing else, you get in there and you get, it's, it's like the first time you get pulled over and you're so nervous and you find out it's not the end of the world. Exactly. Interviewing, I think, is the same way. You're still going to have some jitters, but each time you go through it, you get a little bit better at it. Definitely. So I definitely think that's valuable. My parents have taught me that from a young age, and so there were multiple positions that I interviewed for that I had absolutely no interest in going into that field, but they offered an interview and I took advantage of a couple on-campus interviews through um, the career services. And those are great experiences. You should be taking advantage of all of those and just practicing those skills. Hmm. I also wanted to say, just to um, be clear about this, we happened to have a job opening. We interviewed multiple people for it. Definitely. We hired you because you were the best candidate, but we are not, we work for a university. We're not in a position where we just have unlimited money to throw around and can say, this is a great person, let's create a position. We were really happy from our side that we had a job that you were interested in and it seemed like a good fit and we were able to hire you. Yeah, the timing was just about perfect. And yeah. I was very lucky that it worked out how it did because normally it doesn't work like that. 
So let's talk a little bit about your background. Uh, now, you are from two different places, right? Yes. So I was born and raised in Wisconsin. And then in 2012, I moved to the Dallas area. So that has been home for the last seven and a half years. And I noticed neither one of those are Oklahoma. No. <laughs> so you're out of state. Yes. How did you end up at OSU? One of my dad's colleagues actually graduated from OSU with a degree in professional writing. And so, like I said, I was interested in creative writing. My dad was not thrilled with that originally. He's like, um, what are you going to do with that? So he was telling me to look a little more broadly and look at things that could be applied in different ways. That was his way of showing that he cared. Didn't get that originally, but <laughs> looking back, I'm like, okay, that's... It was because you loved me that you pushed me to look at other options. Mm. Um, but at first I was like, what do you mean I can't do this? That's <laughs> not what he was saying, but it's okay. Um, so he kept pushing me to tour at OSU and I kept saying no. Um, and finally, the August before my senior year, I toured literally just to shut him up. <laughs> and I came to campus he was not a part of that tour. He was working, so it was just my mom and I. And I left the campus. I'm like, okay, I need to go to that school. Mm. But that program is not for me. And so that's how I ended up in Oklahoma. They also have a great reciprocity program, so it was cheaper for me to go out of state than stay in state at any of the schools that I wanted to go to in Texas. So that's great. apply to out-of-state schools. You never know. And obviously, you've liked it here. You are happy to work here. And you mentioned your brother earlier. He's here now. Yes, he is a freshman here and absolutely loving it. And then I have one other younger brother and he's going through the process right now of looking at schools and he is going to come officially tour OSU and do the whole nine yards, just have his own experience. And my fingers are crossed. I'm secretly hoping he comes here, but he'll go wherever mm. he needs to go. So what was it when you came to OSU? What was it that made you go, this is it? I know this is a cheesy answer, but the people mm. and the environment. Um, everyone here was so friendly and so in love with the university and what it stood for. And you could just tell that everyone was so proud to be a cowboy. And we talk about this cowboy family. And at first you're like, oh, that's just every university has a family. Like, it is what it is. But it truly is a family. And people go to bat for you. And it's such a cool thing to be a part of. The other thing that originally drew me in was the programming they offered. And they had a creative writing program. They also had a German program. A lot of the schools that I was looking at didn't offer German as a major. So that was something I knew I wanted to do. Here's an opportunity in a place that I could actually do that. And my second choice school wouldn't let me double major. So I was trying to work with them to find a way to do that. OSU is like, you want a double major? Go ahead. You want a triple major? Think about that first, but sure, go ahead. Why not? And so they really pushed you to do whatever you were passionate about, and I appreciated that. Mm. And you mentioned a minute ago that you grew up in Wisconsin. Yes. This came up in conversation the other day, and I'm not picking on you. You don't have to say any words that you don't want to say, but it sounds like you have deliberately worked to not have a Wisconsin accent. Yes. Why? So when I first moved to Texas, I had a very strong Wisconsin accent because I had spent the first 14 years of my life in Wisconsin. I didn't know any better. I didn't know mm -hmm. there was a Wisconsin accent, to be honest. And I was sitting in math class, and it was honestly first week, maybe week and a half of school. And 
I raised my hand and asked to go get a drink at the bubbler. And the guy sitting in front of me turned around and asked, are you high? <laughs> and I was just mortified because nobody knew what I was talking about. Mm-hmm. For those of you who don't know, a bubbler is a drinking fountain. Mm-hmm. Um, not this weird, crazy thing. I just wanted to go get a drink of water. Mm-hmm. And then I brought that up at my lunch table and they just had me start saying other words and one that came up was bag. And <laughs> they were like, what, She's, what are you saying? Yeah. She's, she's saying bag. Um, so anything with that A-G is just impossible for me to say correctly. So very quickly, I cut those words out of my vocabulary. And instead of saying bag, I'd say purse. I'd say backpack. <laughs> I found words. To, I found synonyms because I'm an English major. That's what I do. I find synonyms. Make it sound fancy. And with certain people, I'll slip up and I'll start talking like a Wisconsinite. But with other people, I'm very deliberate, especially in interviews of trying to sound as proper as possible. Mm -hmm. You moved from Wisconsin to Texas. That's obviously a big change. Yes. Was that an advantage for you as a person? Did that help you, say, when you got to college? Because being in college is a different experience than what you were used to. So at the time, it was horrible. So I moved the summer between my eighth grade and ninth grade year. So I started Mm -hmm. high school not knowing a single soul in a building of almost 3,000 people. You're the new girl who can't say bag. Exactly. Yeah. So I was so angry at my parents for a very long time for moving me because, like, that's horrible. I moved a thousand miles away from family, friends, anything I had ever known. Mm-hmm. And starting this new point in my life, starting high school is hard for anyone. Yes. Starting high school not knowing anyone is pretty much impossible. And I even had that picturesque moment on the first day of school where I slid across the lunchroom floor and got covered in my lunch. Like I literally oh. slipped on a banana peel and was covered. <laughs> and so then I'm like sobbing in the bathroom on my first day of high school, covered in my lunch, mortified that I don't know anyone, can't sit with anyone. Like there's no best friend to say, oh, you're fine. Yeah. You're like, let's go change clothes. No, just me crying in a bathroom stall. So high school was just great for me. But within the first couple weeks, I made some really great friends. And looking back, it was the best thing that ever could have happened to mm-hmm. me. And so obviously that's a major switch from worst moment of my life to this is the best thing that could have ever happened to me. But it pushed me to really reinvent myself and be who I am in Wisconsin. While I loved it and I loved the people I was around, I lived on the same block as all my friends. We all went to the same Mm -hmm. middle school, all went to the same elementary school. I was very much forced to be in a box. And already starting in eighth grade, I was trying to break free of that box. I had started really discovering my love of writing and I wanted to write more. So I would write during lunch, I would do things. (laughs) And some of my friends were really against that. I remember coming to lunch one day and I was writing because I had all these great ideas and one of my friends took my notebook and shredded it in front of me because she was like, "That's, that's not who you are, this is who you are. And that's horrible. Like, you should not ever be in that situation. But in Texas, I got to expand on that love of writing. I started a writing club and ran a writing club for four years. I discovered things that I never thought I'd be. If I was still in Wisconsin, I can say with 100% assurance that I would not be an English major. Mm. I never would have been given that opportunity to grow into who I am. Um, I never would have met the people that I met or had the opportunities. The amount of AP classes that were offered at my high school in Texas versus what would have been offered to me in Wisconsin is huge. And so that exposure, I got to study abroad twice in high school. 
that's not a normal experience. I would not have gotten that opportunity in Wisconsin. And so then coming to college, I had already done that whole recreating yourself and I knew who I was. I knew this is who I want to be. This is, and I'm willing to defend myself. Mm -hmm. I'm willing to stand up for who I am and I can create a home anywhere. It's all about what I want it to be. So if I have to move to another state, if I have to move to another country, I can make it a home. It might be difficult, but I'll create a support system. I can find the people who will support me and give me opportunities and go from there. Mm. So coming to college was a much easier transition than I thought it would be. Where a lot of my friends struggled, I didn't, and I was lucky. You mentioned your friend who said that's not who you are. I've worked with you on for approaching two years now, um, and who I think you are, and I've teased you about this. You're somebody who um, you're always your productivity is amazing. Um, it is astounding to me, and I can say that as somebody who's um, I'm kind of all over the place. So sometimes I have a little trouble finishing this task before my brain has moved on to the next one. Um, you don't seem to have that issue, but. You mentioned you wrote novels in high school. You started a writing club. You just mm-hmm. said, um, I know the things you've done here. And we joke about anything that comes up. We say, we'll give that to Samantha. She'll be done with it this afternoon. How do you do that? Great question. Not sure I have a real answer <laughs> for you. Share, come on. Tell us how to have your superpower, Samantha. <laughs> I wish I knew. Um, <laughs> I like projects. I like being pushed in different directions. Like I said earlier, I could never have a job that was the same thing every single day. Mm. It would drive me completely insane. I want to be challenged. I want to be pushed. I thrive when I have a lot of projects. Um, But a lot of it is time management. I prioritize. When I'm at work, I'm 100% at work. Mm -hmm. Um, That's how I treated school. I treated school like a nine to five. Those were the hours that I was at school. That was when I did my homework. If I had time between classes on campus, I was doing homework. I was doing research. I wasn't on Netflix. I wasn't chilling and reading for fun. I was really focused on doing what I needed to get done. Then when I got home in the evenings, I had time to myself. I could watch a movie. I could make myself dinner. And then it was much more manageable for me. I was I never had to pull an all-nighter in college mm-hmm. because I planned ahead. I worked ahead. I knew I had a planner that was color-coded with all of my classes so that I knew exactly what I needed to get done and for me it's making lists it's just staying on top of things and knowing okay this deadline is coming up before this one got to start with that project Mm -hmm. I also tend to get obsessed when I get a project it's like I'm going to dedicate all my energy and get as much of this done as possible right now and then transition to something else so works well for me doesn't work for everyone but for me it works but it seems like you also had a fun uh, experience in college And, and I think that's important for people to know you were just saying, you know, you'd find times in, time in the evening to do enjoyable stuff rather than school. Um, so you can do both, I guess is what 100%. I'm One hundred percent. It's difficult, and there will be times when you have to give a little more to school and sacrifice some of that personal time. Um, but there will also be times when it's okay to sacrifice a little bit of your schoolwork. And that's something that I really didn't discover until my senior year. Of I started having a little more fun and saying, okay, it's I don't have to do all of this. The ability to say no is something I think people undervalue. It's a really important skill and it's something I do struggle with. Mm. Um, And I think a lot of people struggle with in college is you want to look 
good on paper, you want to also feel good and feel like you made a difference, that you took advantage of all the different opportunities that you were given. So you say yes to everything and you overcommit and that's something that so many people struggle with. But it's okay to say no and you should say no. And does it suck? Yes. And are you going to sometimes miss out on things? Yes. But also you have to take care of yourself and that's a hard skill to learn but it's so important. And I know you were active in what organizations? German Club? I was an active member of German Club for over three, three and a half years. Um, I was a member, I was secretary for a year, I was president for a year. Um, I was involved in freshman student council and then that transitioned to the main College of Arts and Sciences student council. I was activities chair for a year for them. I'm an ambassador for, or I was an ambassador for the College of Arts and Sciences. Basically, everything I did fell under the College of Arts and Sciences. So again, very natural fit for me to stay here and work for them. Two questions that leads to for me. One, what did you get out of doing, doing those things? And secondly, how did you decide which ones were uh, worth your time? So I'm going to start with the second question. So freshman year, I just wanted to get involved with things and go to different meetings, see what was a good fit for me. So German Club was a very natural thing for me to try because I was involved in the German program. Mm -hmm. um, and freshman year, I was active somewhat. It just depended on the month. Um, some months I was at all of the meetings and other months I missed all of them, mm -hmm. um, just based on schoolwork and what was going on. But I knew that would be a club and an organization that I could work on my German skills, I could meet other people, great networking opportunities, and just it would help in my studies. In terms of student council, I got involved with that in kind of a backwards way. So Freshman Student Council was originally called Freshman Forum. Mm -hmm. And so I got an email saying, apply, we only take the top 20 freshmen in the College of Arts and Sciences. I'm like, I don't know what Freshman Forum is, but I'm going to apply <laughs> because I just wanted to get involved. And so I applied. I went through the whole interview process and made it. And I'm like, this is cool. So I went to the first meeting and then I discovered it was Student Council. Mm -hmm. And I was like, OK, I need to get out of this because <laughs> We were originally put into groups of four other people, or with four people, um, and told to come up with a philanthropy event. And that was going to be our main thing in freshman forum. I'm going to refer to it as freshman student council because that's what we call it now. And yeah. I'm not going to. So freshman student council. Um, we're going to come up with a philanthropy event because that's what they work on their first years, how to develop a philanthropy event, what that looks like. So I was put in a group with three other people, and all three of them were their high school student council presidents. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I was not involved in student council at all in high school. I, I don't belong here. But I said I'd give it that first semester and kind of just let myself transition, see if this was actually something I wanted to be involved in. And again, it was the people. I really enjoyed the people I was working with. They were so dynamic and they had so many great ideas on how to improve things on campus and how to run this philanthropy, who we should be helping, that I was like, this is really cool. Um, our freshman coordinators were absolutely amazing. They were some of the best mentors I've had on this campus and really pushing you not only within the organization but also outside of the organization as a human being how to be a better person. How can we help you succeed not just in freshman student council but in your classes, in your development as a person. So they were the ones who ultimately inspired me to apply then for the main student council. And luckily, 
that first year I was on the big student council, they were the president and vice president. Mm -hmm. And so it was absolutely amazing because I 100% believed in them. I knew what their vision was and working under them was so much fun because they just inspired change and they were really good at connecting with individual people and meeting you where you were. And I think that's important in any organization is finding a mentor, whether it's a faculty member, whether it's another student, but someone to look up to that will help challenge you, but also tell you when enough is enough mm. and kind of help you learn to say no, but also push you to, hey, maybe this isn't what you thought it was, but give it a shot, who knows? Now I was on council for my entire undergraduate career and it was one of the best organizations I was involved with and I grew so much as a person because of it, where the name originally terrified me. <laughs> but it wasn't like your stereotypical high school student council, you could see the difference you were making. Mm. And in terms of what I got out of it, leadership skills, ability to talk and network with people, planning a philanthropy event, planning CAS week, all of these skills that can translate into jobs, translate into working with other people, those skills are just amazing. And I'm very thankful for the opportunity to gain those skills and also all the people you meet. I always will go back to the people. The people can make or break an experience. What decisions did you make early in your college career that led to your success? Because you didn't wake up as a junior and go, I'm gonna be a good student. I think treating school, like I said earlier, like a nine to five job. and this is what I'm gonna dedicate to school. Um, knowing that school is a priority. I'm somebody who has always loved learning. I love going to classes. It was never something that, oh, I have to go to school, like that sucks. Yeah. No, at the end of summer, I was excited to go back to school. <laughs> I wanted to start learning. And where I might not always like all of my classes, even the classes you don't like, there's something you can get out of mm -hmm. them. It might not be what somebody else gets out of them, but there's always something that you can get out of them. Um, like I had to take an entomology course. I hate bugs, but I needed a science course and I was told this is great for non-majors. It was a fascinating course. Do I like bugs? No, I still am like terrified of them. But it was an interesting course and I got to write stories about bugs mm -hmm. because our final could be whatever you wanted it to be. So. I decided to write a short story. Some people baked insect cakes. Some people did sculptures. I like that there was an opportunity to kind of be creative with that. I also really looked at my schedule and I sat down freshman year with my advisor and I took the four year plan really seriously. Mm -hmm. And I looked at what courses I needed and especially all the different designations and tried to find classes that covered multiple designations. And I was really strategic with which classes I took. Because I was double majoring, there's always that fear of, do I need to take more than four years? And I ended up graduating early, which was not the plan. But part of that was because of AP courses. I mm -hmm. came in with a lot of credit. But just being smart with what classes you pick, making sure that it's a priority. For me, I need that planner. I need to have it written down somewhere. I'm not somebody who can just remember that I have all these assignments. I need to physically write it down somewhere. Mm -hmm. And then, taking time for myself also. I'm somebody who needs to recharge. I mm. am a little more introverted, and so I need time where I'm by myself, where I'm reading, I'm writing, I'm just sitting there staring at the ceiling, and <laughs> just not quite asleep, but almost there. And so finding that balance, and was I always great at balance? No, there will be times when you really struggle with it, but giving yourself time to work through it and 
letting yourself have time to transition. Um, when I first started working for CAS, the first couple months were really hard because all of a sudden you're adding all these extra responsibilities on, your time is going to different things. And especially the first week, I was like, wow, I'm not sure this is going to work. <laughs> but I told myself I need to give myself at least four to six weeks to transition and just fully let myself get used to this new normal. And that's kind of what you need to do every semester is that first month, month and a half. It's going to be hard, but you'll find your new normal. You'll find time to do all the things you love and find that balance. But it's OK to take time to figure that out. Mm. Um, and I think there's a lot of pressure on students like, okay, school started week one, you gotta have everything together. You really don't. It's okay to not have everything together. And you mentioned earlier you had some study abroad experience in high school. Mm -hmm. You also mentioned your family, um, it sounds like taking you to Germany. And I believe you went to Germany in college. Correct. You did it. Was that, that also study abroad? Yes. Okay. So for somebody like you who's had these international experiences and yet you continue to do it, I'm sure it's fun. But you're getting more out of it than that. What, what are you getting yes. out of that? So every single time I go to Germany, I get something else out of it. So my parents always tried to plan our trips for two weeks long. The first week we would spend with our family and catching up with everyone. And like in our family is from the west of Germany and it's very industrialized. So just like touring that area. And then we always would pick a part of the country and spend a week doing like touristy things and just exploring the country, the history, the different castles. So you're still getting that, those new experiences. Um, in terms of study abroad, all of my study abroads have been reciprocal programs where you have an exchange student. So the exchange student comes and lives with you and then you go live with them. Um, and so I've had different families, so that obviously impacts how the experience is going to be. And also just how open you are to the experience. The first time I did it, it was the summer after my freshman year, so I had just turned 14, like three days before we left. Mm. I was the youngest one on the trip. That was a really hard trip for me. At 14, I was so not ready to go to a foreign mm. country for a month and live with another family. Bless their hearts, they took care of me, but I cried just about every day <laughs> and had really bad homesickness. Did I still love the experience? 100%, and I would do it again. Obviously, I did do it again yeah. with another family. Um, and the second time was so much easier. I just connected with the student a lot more and she ended up coming back and staying for an entire year. And so all of my senior year, she was there, which was so much fun. This last summer, I was asked to come back to the program. Um, it's called the German American Partnership Program. Mm. We call it GAP for short. And my high school has a sister school in Germany in a little town called Amberg, where every two years they do a reciprocal exchange for a month. I did it twice as a high school student. Both of my brothers have done the program. And last summer, I was asked to come back as a chaperone. So I took 15 high school students to Germany for a month over the summer, which was so much fun um, and a very different experience than my two other GAP programs because I'm planning the activities. I'm making sure that we don't lose children, yeah. which we did. They were the Germans. We lost the Germans. We did not lose a single American, <laughs> so it was not my fault. But we lost some Germans in some caves, and I was in charge of finding them, and that was terrifying. Me running through an underground cave system, screaming for German children to come back, like, that's exactly what I wanted my summer to look like. But also, when I was a chaperone, I got to take on a lot of that mentoring and really work with these students and show them, look at all the things I got out of this and all the things that 
I've been able to take from it, the doors that it opened up for mm -hmm. me. Getting into freshman student council that first year, one I talked to Dan and Lauren, who are our coordinators, about why they let me specifically into the program. And one of the reasons was you had study abroad experience mm -hmm. as a high school student. And I got scholarships for that. And like that's something that sets you apart. And you want to look different. You want to look like you've done amazing things with your life. But more than that, you want to actually be able to talk about those experiences. And it's great on paper, but how does it actually change you as a person? How can you actually apply the things that you've done over there? And so as a chaperone, I was really pushing those points with all the kids and trying to have those conversations as we were going to different museums, as we were going on different cultural excursions. How can you take this back and apply it in different ways? How has this changed you as a person? What are you going to do next kind of deal? Um, and I really liked that mentoring aspect of being a chaperone. I wasn't really a chaperone. I just called myself big sister. And I say that I came back with 15 new siblings. Um, and it was fun. I loved it. So I have kind of a three-part question here, and I don't know how to ask it other than to put the three together because they kind of okay. all run together. But in your college experience, which you just finished and you were very successful, um, do you have any regrets you can talk about? For example, I was talking to a coworker just before this, and she said, I didn't study abroad, and I really, really wish I had. Obviously, you did, but is there anything you wish you'd done differently? Which leads to any mistakes you made that you're willing to talk about that you think would be helpful for other people? And what tips do you have that we haven't already covered? So I'm going to start with the tip that I give every single freshman when they come to campus. On the first day of class, af either before or after, walk up to your professor, shake their hand, and introduce mm -hmm. yourself. It will make a world of difference. My generation is really bad at shaking hands and introducing themselves. If you put a name with a face, especially on day one, your professor will remember you. Yes. And especially in those big freshman classes, you went that. You went to have a personal relationship with your professors. So if something does happen and you miss a class or you need help on an assignment, your professor knows you, is more willing to work with you and Absolutely. help you out with those situations. And I tell every freshman that like, introduce yourself is the biggest thing you can do. And, and that's also really good life advice. I know in my job, I interact with a million different people, many of them over email. Mm -hmm. And it is so different when it's a person asking for something versus a name on an email of a person you've never met. Exactly. I am more likely to get what I need if they know my face or my voice at least, and I'm more likely to help them if I've met them. That's just the way it works. Exactly. And you never know how that relationship will develop. Um, some of my freshman professors turned out to be some of my favorite professors on campus, and I took just about every class I possibly could with them. and would spend hours in their office just talking about life, like not related to any sort of mm -hmm. project, like let's just talk about life. And those relationships are amazing and you wanna take advantage of those. Um, and a lot of times your professors want that as well. Yeah. They don't wanna just sit in their office hours and do nothing, so take advantage of office hours. Even if you have a single question, walk to their office hours and ask it in person versus sending an email. Trust me, you will get a lot more out of it. And if you've built a relationship with a professor, if you're early in your career like you are, you need some job references. Oh my gosh, A yes. professor who knows you and can write more than a form letter, it makes a big difference. It's very helpful. Well, and even when you're looking at other jobs, I had one professor say, like when you're at the stage, and this was way back, I think it was sophomore year when he 
told me this. He's like, when you're at the stage where you're looking at jobs, come talk to me and we're going to talk through mm. all of your different options and just make sure that you have as many perspectives as possible. Like, your professors want to be there for you yeah. and do as much as they can for you. You just have to show a little bit of interest and put a little bit of skin in the game. So that covers advice. And then it was regrets. Regrets and mistakes. Mistakes. We're going to talk about regrets first. Um, I wish I would have done a long-term study abroad, mm. like a semester. Originally, I was planning on it. And with my schedule and double majoring, it just didn't work out exactly. Um, but I think that would have been a really cool experience. I didn't want to graduate early. Mm. I wish there was a way I could have avoided doing that. <laughs> Even though it worked out amazingly and I got this job and I love it, I still wish I would have had that extra semester. But adding a minor would have added more than a semester. Mm -hmm. So I was just kind of in this, well, I guess this is happening kind of stage. And also, I wish I would have had more fun, if that makes sense. <laughs> um, I'm somebody that said, oh, no, it's like a school night. I can't go out and do stuff. Generally speaking, you shouldn't go out every night. At least I shouldn't go out every night. Maybe you can. Um, you do you. But <laughs> I needed to say yes to a few more things and say yes to some more social things especially. And I was just always very afraid of overcommitting, so I tended to undercommit in terms of social activities. Mm -hmm. Where with school stuff, I'd overcommit 100% of the time. But senior year, I really found more of that balance and finding ways to have fun and go out and do stuff. And let's go do trivia night. Let's go roller skating. Like, say yes to some of those things. School will always be there and it will always be important, but you also, making those memories is really important and mm -hmm. you want to have that balance. You can always catch up on sleep later. Don't take that too literally, but <laughs> also you can sacrifice a little bit of sleep. In terms of mistakes, there's a few, I don't know. Overcommitting was definitely one of them. Also not necessarily telling professors that I needed help and mm. like admitting that I needed help is a huge one. Yeah. I struggle with asking for help. Mm -hmm. Like, I really, really struggle with asking for help. And especially, like, extending deadlines or, like, here's some extenuating circumstances. I'm just not going to tell you about them and pretend like everything's fine. Probably should not have done some of those things. Your professors, like I said, they want to be there for you. You have people in your life who want to be there and support you, but they need to know when you're struggling. Mm -hmm. Asking for help is not a sign of weakness. And I still struggle with that. It's a sign that you need help. Mm -hmm. Everyone needs help with different things, and that's okay. It's also okay to skip class every now and then, and you might not want to include this, but I skipped like two classes in my college experience. There were days where I definitely should have skipped because either I was like sick and I was just like, no, I'm going to go to this class, and I might get other people sick, mm -hmm. but I'm going to go to this class, and I'm going to feel miserable, but I'm going to do it. I probably didn't need to do that. And there were smarter ways, like, let's text my friend and get the notes. Like, mm -hmm. I probably would have been fine. It's okay to miss class. It's okay to make a B. That one really, like, broke me. Um, <laughs> like, I will say that it broke me because it did break me for a while. But I got a B in college. I hadn't gotten a B since, like, middle school. So when I got a B, I, like, fully lost it. But I did everything I possibly could to get an A in that class. Every single paper, I went to his office hours before we turned it in. We didn't even write papers. We wrote paragraphs in his class because he did not trust us to write papers. Mm. I made a C on every single paper that I wrote in that class, which was something I had never done before. And so when I failed the first test, I was like, oh, my gosh. Um, something's, like, seriously A wrong with me. 
but that does not define your worth. Mm -hmm. And that was a lesson that took a while for me to realize is it's okay to not make a good grade in a class. It's okay if you miss a reading and end up struggling and pay a price for it. That's okay. You will get through it, but it still sucks. Like there's no denying that it does, it is awful. And sometimes you will get in trouble if you miss a reading and all of a sudden you're called out in class and you're like, yeah, just admit when you like didn't do the reading, don't try to come up with some BS answer. It's, they can tell, they always know it's better just to admit that you didn't do the reading and just be honest with yourself, with them, with everybody else in the class. Don't waste their time. And when you find yourself in a bad situation like that, don't cheat. Don't compound the problem. No, which, don't. Um, I mean, that is a, a human instinct, but you can ruin your life with cheating. I mean, honestly, you get caught cheating, there are going to be serious consequences. Yes. It's better to bomb a test or an assignment oh my goodness, than yes. to end up on academic probation or potentially kicked out of the university because you yeah. made a bad situation way worse. Don't ever mess with academic integrity yeah. issues. There are so many ways to avoid it. Will it take a little bit more work? Yes, but it is worth it 100% in the long run. Like, don't cut corners. It is not worth it at all. Yeah. I had friends do that and they suffered consequences. Mm -hmm. And the policies are there for a reason. Mm -hmm. And you just need to respect it and move on. Um, all of your professors will talk about it. Take them seriously. Like, it isn't just a minor little thing. If they say, don't do this, Listen to them and really don't do it. Don't test your professors. They will win every single time. Yes. What lessons did you learn growing up that helped you succeed? So one huge thing that really helped me succeed was family dinners. Mm -hmm. And I know it sounds kind of weird, but sitting down with people every night, or not even every night, but often, and having a group of people that you can cook a meal with or just eat a meal with and talk to. Mm -hmm. I need that in my life. I need somebody or a group of people that I can bounce ideas off of that can be there for me for the goods, the bads, all of it. So finding that group of friends in college and setting si time aside every week to meet with them and talk through life and make sure that you have a bit of that balance is really important. Also, I mean, obviously work hard, do all of that sort of thing, but say no and it's okay to not know what you want to be when you grow up. Mm. I think that's something else that is pushed on people. It's okay to have no clue what you want to do with your life. I think we expect people to have everything together when they turn 18. It's like, oh, you're in college now. Like, you have to know what you want to do. It's, oh, you've graduated. You really need to know what you have to do. I'm graduated. I still have no clue what I want to do with my life. That's okay. Well, and it can be like marrying the wrong person. Like, don't rush into something and no end up committing your life to it. Life's too short to make that sort of mistake. Some of us know what we want to do at a young age. And, and that's great. Yeah, and some of us figure it out later, and that's, that's fine. But also be willing to try new things. I think a lot of people come to college and they have this preconceived notion I did of like, oh, I'm not going to do student council. Mm. I'm not going to be a part of this group or this group. I'm not going to be interested in this. Try new things. They might be scary and you might say, yeah, that wasn't for me, but at least you tried. At mm -hmm. least you exposed yourself. Who knows? Maybe you'll try something and all of a sudden it opens doors for a career or for a new passion for you. Um, so just be willing to try new things, I think, is really important in college especially. 
I'd like to thank Samantha for joining us for this episode. I would also like to hear what you thought of this one as well as the Pokes podcast in general. You can reach us on social media at OKStateCast or our email, pokespodcast at okstate.edu. And with that, as always, we'll ask the guest, how are the arts and sciences making the world a better place? In so many different ways, and you need both to balance them. You cannot have either independent of each other. You need the arts to see the beauty in the world. You think of all of the amazing movies, TV shows, music, books. You need all of that to see the beauty in the world. But you need the sciences for medicine, for technology, for all of these amazing advancements. There's a quote from Dead Poets Society that totally talks about them, and Dead Poets Society is the quintessential English major movie, so I watch it often. I'm gonna climb up on the desk and stand here. Oh, I love that movie so much. (laughs) But it basically says technology, engineering, medicine, these are noble pursuits and important to sustain life, but beauty, poetry, art, These are the things we stay alive for. Mm -hmm. And to me, that explains it better than anything else I can say is you need both. And there's no right or wrong way to balance them. I say that my roommate and I are the quintessential example of arts and sciences living in unison with each other. We had a problem a couple months ago. We were making dinner and it called for like an eight by eight casserole pan, but I had thrown ours out. So she's like doing all the math of, okay, here's the area we need and what pans do we have that could work. In the meantime, I took a nine by 13 pan, took some tinfoil and just like made a box like thing and stuck it in the oven. By the time she had done all her calculations and found, oh, this pan is exactly what we need. It was already baking in the oven. But that's arts and sciences. Neither one is a wrong method, but that's the difference in them. And they work beautifully together. And I think people forget that they do work together and there's so much more that they have in common than like separates them.